0: Someone in the crowd said to him, "'Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me.' But he said to him, "'Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you?' And he said to them, "'Take care, and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions.' And he told them a parable, saying, "'The land of a rich man produced plentifully.' And he thought to himself, "'What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops?' Thank you for the gift of your Son. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son, and thank you for the gift of your Word. Come and speak to us through it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, I got confused there as to which member of the Trinity I was speaking to. Jesus, thank you for the gift of yourself. I guess we can say that to God. Um, never mind, the theologians, we'll discuss that public theology next time. Um, good morning. Welcome, especially if you're visiting. My name is Dave. As you can tell, I'm one of the priests here. And uh, we've kind of turned a corner in the Gospel of Luke. Up until now, Jesus has been, in some ways, a novelty. It's been kind of, it's been, there have been some incredible things happening. And when you hit Luke 12, it's kind of like the disciples realize, oh, this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon, which takes a different mindset. I I believe I can do anything for 30 minutes. I can suffer through it. I've gone to bar classes, which I didn't last 30 minutes, but I've done other things that have gone through 30, uh, and I can do 30. But when people in this congregation have said, you should do the hotter than hell bike race, which is 100 miles and 100 degrees heat, I'm like, no, Jesus has saved me. I don't need to go through that. They said, but you'd like it. I said, no, I know I wouldn't. And one of the marks that you see in the second half of Luke's Gospel is that there's a very big distinction that happens when Jesus is speaking to people who know they need help and they're the people that come to him who are Jewish and should know better and they don't. And that's what this morning's parable is about. That Jesus is looking to help people see that the kingdom of God has come close to them and he has an interaction with someone who has blinders on of the kingdom of heaven, and it is these blinders are caused by stuff. Land. And blinders, I, 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 and this is my observation, um, which is that the kingdom of God needs resources. Money means ministry, and so The church needs to be made up of people who have little and who have a lot for different reasons. So I'm not going to talk about how you should, that possessions are bad and you shouldn't make a lot of money because I'm praying that you all get a raise so that you will give more. It's a joke. There might be more. There might be, I understand it's Dallas. People, you know, do actually say that. And I did say that, but I'm kidding. How do I, where am I? Here I am. The thing is, this is not a a parable saying that things are bad. It's a warning to us, which we're gonna see, which is that covetousness, and covetousness is when someone is marked by an inordinate desire for more, and as soon as they get it, it's not enough, and they need more. It might be more land, which is the case here in the parable. It might be more of anything. And the, the problem that we've always had as people that stretches all the way back to creation and the fall is that that more can possess us as opposed to being in its right place and being possessed by us for the kingdom. And this is, a, this is the warning that Jesus gives. Now look down with me on, uh, in Luke chapter 12, um, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And so Jesus issues this warning take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And this is a problem that humanity has faced since the beginning, as I just said. We find meaning from more. And so the question is how much is too much? How much is too much? It's a question we've talked about, because I currently have eight smokers in our garage. Is that too much? No. When the fire department turns up, maybe it is. But the problem at the heart of of this question of how much is too much is that the system of sin... The system of sin, not just our individual sin, but the system that is built up on sin in the world has infected it and has infected our hearts so that possessions and money can lay hold of our hearts and can block us from the main thing that Jesus is trying to do, which is reveal to us that God is a Father and He calls us His children, and if He calls us His children, then he's worthy of trust. Jesus says to the man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. The man who wanted Jesus to tell his brother to split the inheritance was typical in his attitude. The attitude that many people in Jesus' day, many people today have, Agatha Christie's made, I don't know if she made a fortune on it, but almost all of the murder mysteries she wrote was about a murder that happened after the death of somebody leaving an inheritance. The problem is is that many of Jesus' fellow Jews looked towards the Holy Land itself um, and they saw it as important for both economic reasons. And religious reasons and they allowed that to inform who they were so if I have more if I own more in the Holy Land it means that I'm better because I'm devout I'm religious I'm investing in the nation of Israel that kind of thing covetousness is marked by an inordinate desire for more so this dispute isn't just about money or wealth or possessions it's a recognition that we're tempted to look to things to bolster our sense of identity who I am is put on display by what I have. The challenge is, is, that sometimes land and other things get in the way and keep us from trusting God. When I left our church in London, I was given something that was amazing. Chris is about to faint because I was given a Mont Blanc fountain pen. And it was amazing. It was like the Cadillac of writing implements. It never leaked. When people saw it, they were like, oh, wow, you have a Montblanc Blanc mount, fountain pen. I was like, yeah, I do. And I've, I've, I've even been to this mountain and seen it, and they're like, wow, you're really well-traveled. And what happened was, is that pen possessed part of my heart. And I love to say I gave it away. I didn't. It was stolen. But... I look at pens differently. I look at things differently. Because that one pen, especially in Dallas when I arrived, I just leave it out. My desk at All Saints for people to walk by, you know. Everybody, every other, well, a third of the population of All Saints for a while seemed to have an oil field. And so I just would leave it out. And they say, Oh wow, you're really cultured. You write with a really nice pen. I said, Yeah, I am. That's who I am. I'm that kind of guy. And it was awful. Because it did something to me that made me less of who God was calling me to be. If abundant life doesn't come from covetousness, this, this desire for more things, where does it come from? Well, it comes from the last three words of the parable. Look down with me. Verse 19, uh, well. Verse, no, no, here it is. So is the one. um, God said to him, fool this night, your soul is required of you. Verse 20. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So the man in the parable stores up grain, stores up resources on earth so he can retire. Freedom 55. And, you know. Uh, I have no problem with that, but he put all his trust in the resources and in the stuff he could accumulate so that he would be able to do what he wants when he wants. The problem is, is that he dies the night that he has it all in place. So is the one, and he calls him a fool. And so the foolish, foolish are those who lay up treasures for themselves and are not rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God? Well, in order to understand that, you have to understand the kingdom that Jesus is looking to bring into this world to undermine, undercut, and destroy the system that has grown up out of sin. And the kingdom of God is at its heart about God's presence sweeping the world with love and power unlike any power the world has ever seen, so that everyone would come to see that they're made in God's image, And each one is loved dearly and may relax in the knowledge that God is in control. To relax and know that God is in control. Being rich towards God means wholeheartedly partnering with God and being actively involved in His work. Think about this for a moment. God has revealed Himself to us as the Creator who loves to give good gifts, loves to give you the kingdom, loves to bring his sovereign care and rescue right to your door. What are you facing this morning? What is at your door? Is it a faulty air conditioning tower? because that's kind of, that's gone through the church, right? Is it COVID? That's gone through the church. Is it financial uncertainty? That's gone through the culture. What is, what is at your door? Because what Jesus is desperate to teach the people in front of him at the m- moment of the writing of this, and what he's desperate for us to see, is that his kingdom is utterly upside down to the way that this world works. And that if you want to hold on to something, If you want to hold on to resources, then you're to give them away. Because in order to hold on to something, if we give them away, we'll get more of them. If that makes sense. At the heart of the appeal in this parable of the rich fool is the key that Israel should have recognized that if your God is the father who calls you his child, what is to stop you from trusting in him? So the rich fool doesn't hear Jesus say, the kingdom of God has come close to you, or the kingdom of God is at hand. He hears something much different. So how much is too much? It's different for all of us. It's whatever it takes, too much is whatever it takes to lull us into believing that we don't need him. We don't need him. That's too much. I don't know what that number is for you. If we get lulled into a place where we don't need to trust in God as our Father. No one in Dallas ever says, oh, I don't need to trust in God. You know, uh, I went to a Toyota dealership recently, um, and um, I walk in, and as soon as I walk in, a Bible appeared on the counter, on the desk of the the, uh, car, you know, salesman I was talking to, and I was like, oh, I think this is more of a shtick than it is, you know, legit, but I didn't judge. Who am I to judge? No one in Dallas ever says that they don't trust in God because they have too much. But what's the narrative that our life is telling? This is what I was praying through this morning in the worship. Lord, what is my life telling? What's the story? I was talking recently with a venture capitalist who was struggling with this he had just come into a, he'd experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time on an Alpha course here in Dallas. And Alpha is a 10 week reintroduction or introduction to the Christian faith. We're going to start it here in, the, in September. And uh, this guy, really capable, really smart, and because of his line of work, lots of resources, had had an encounter with God and for the first time felt loved. And he wanted to meet because he had a lot of possessions. And until he'd met Jesus and experienced His love, his life was all about getting as much as possible. He had the lake house, he had he had the house, he had the cars, he had the boat, and he had an art collection. And he showed me his art, and it was beautiful. I don't know much about art, but I you know I can tell when something's above you know color by numbers. And um, he asked, if I I want to become generous, and so the idea I have to become generous is to invite people from the church to come to my house and I'll give them a tour of my art. I said, well, that sounds like fun. He says, yeah, and I'll even provide really fine wine and bourbon and it'll just be a wonderful way for them to see how generous I am. I said, fantastic, sign me up. He says, will that help my heart? I said, no. He says, why not? because the whole premise of them coming to your house to see what you have, to see what, how you can entertain them, is really just informing who you are in their eyes. And it would be lovely. But if you're serious that these, this art and these possessions have gotten in the way of you to be able to receive more of God's love, then pray and see if God might be asking you to give some of it away. Generosity is the antidote to covetousness. I couldn't sleep last night, probably because of the espresso I'd had that morning. and ended up reading a, a book, a secular book, Um, The premise of and you know, it's so great. I've forgotten the author and the title. So go ahead and read it Just imagine you can't sleep and you need to fall asleep early. So I find self-help Might help um, but it didn't but I fell asleep But the whole premise of the book from a secular point of view is that we find meaning when we The book is called it's not about you by a guy named Tom something um we're getting there. And uh, the, the whole premise of this book is about shifting the focus of our lives off of ourselves and learning to invest in others. What does it look like to invest in others? What is it like to sow into others with things? I been praying for this. None of you came to mind, right? So I don't think there's an indictment on any of us. The challenge is, is, that where God is leading us as a church, where He's led me, is to see that His love and His rescue physically came knocking on my door early this year. It wasn't the physical health stuff that was arduous, which it was. But it was He was knocking on the door of my heart and he, and and I couldn't come to believe that he would want to see what was on my heart because it was so ugly I w- Was not pleasant to be around my children. I wasn't pleasant to be around. I was tired. I wasn't my usual self My therapist said oh you had a depressive mindset I, th- I said I know I'm no psychiatrist But I think it was worse than that. He says no <laughs> That's what it was I said. All right um, and God's kingdom knocked on my door. God's sovereign grace, power knocked on my door. And as I opened it up and let him and brought to him, as we worshiped together, the ugliness that was on my heart, because I was in pain, and I didn't like what I was going through or the changes I had to make. And I let. Him have it. I found love again. That experience is when Jesus says the kingdom of God has come close to you. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? Let me finish this with this. When Jesus speaks of treasures in heaven later on in the passage, He doesn't mean treasure that you will one day possess in heaven. Heaven is God's sphere of created reality, which is as we will pray in a moment, as the Lord's Prayer suggests, when we pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, it really is this idea that the reality of heaven, where there's no suffering, no pain, no death, where God redeems everything out of love, that that sphere of influence will one day completely colonize the world we live in. The kingdom, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven will one day colonize earth completely. And our broken bodies will be remade with the matter of heaven. What matters is that the kingdom of God is bringing the values and priorities of God himself to bear On the greed and anxiety of our world and rewriting and turning everything upside down so the invitation then this morning is to guard our hearts and to receive this kingdom the kingdom of heaven to have his sovereign care and rescue come to our door and to begin to dialogue with him but how much is too much Too much is whatever lulls us into acting as if we don't have to trust in him. And whatever begins to block us from being involved in his kingdom work. It's that twofold thing. I don't need him. And I've, I've got all this other stuff going on, so I can't really be involved in praying or whatever that looks like. God the Creator loves to give good gifts, loves to give you the kingdom, loves to bring his sovereign care and rescue right to your own door. And so what is it you're facing this morning? Some of you, it's health related, right? It's just statistically probable in a group this size. Some of us, it's, it's an a, a issue of purpose. Am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right way? Some of us, it's a longing for the right kind of more, which is more of God. I'd love to have more of his love in my life. I'd love to see God do things. I, I just want to be involved with whatever and whatever he's doing. I thought it was being stalked. I'll close with this. I thought it was being stalked when I lived in Oxford because it didn't matter for a time um, wherever I would sit in this church I attended, St. Aldates, that <laughs> this slightly rando guy would sit next to me Always, and like he wouldn't really talk. We we kind of met. His name was Herbert, which is a lovely name. Um, Very very British. Uh, Even the way he did his comb over, you know, and 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 all that stuff. It was very British. And and finally, um, I said, Why? Why? Do you mind me asking? I I don't. You can sit wherever you like. But why do you sit next to me? He said, Because God. This is what he said. I saw God meet with you at the front of church one Sunday. And I just want to be around it. And God probably doesn't need to work through geography, but just in case he does, I'm gonna sit up front of church next to you. Because it maybe what happens to you will kind of wash over on me. I say, like, all right, here's a physics guy. When God moves, he moves in community. And what he does in one person's life in the community becomes an avenue that he can move through the rest of the community. And so when we press in for more and we lock shoulders with those of us in our community who are going through difficult things, it's an honor to be able to be there with them, to pray with them, to see him move. And so how much is too much? I don't know. You're probably all capable of more things than I am because a pen got in my way. How much is too much? And how much more will our Father in heaven who loves us, who wants to bring his sovereign care and power to our doorstep, give his Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? This is what we're gonna do. Uh, We have some oil. And Chris and I, I'm gonna ask the band, I have completely not prepped the band for this, but Kevin, would you come up? We're gonna pray for Kevin first. No, Kevin's gonna play. And we're just gonna pause. And we're gonna pray. And what Chris and I are gonna do, we're gonna just stand up here at the front, and whatever it is you're going through, we're gonna invite you to come forward, and we're just gonna pray a very simple prayer, and anoint you with oil that God's kingdom, his sovereign care, the influence of heaven would fill your body, fill your life, and you'd get a foretaste of what's coming. Where all of heaven will come into earth, colonize it, and make everything the way it was always meant to be. Whether that's in your physical body, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's in whatever it is. And then we'll, we'll carry on. If you're fine, Sit back, relax, that's why the pews are padded. Catch up on what you missed last night. Or pray for those who come forward. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And God in his grace has drawn close to us this morning. So let's stand. And if you'd like to receive prayer, come forward.